This episode brought to you by Harvest Media. Software as a service. Tools for your catalog, including cloud-based distribution, web applications, APIs, and royalty accounting. Harvest Media, setting the standard globally for publishing and production music. And welcome to episode 39 in a never-ending story of stories about the production music industry. Hi, Simon, good to see Andy you again. Ferry, how's things going? It's going well, yeah. yeah. We, we, we have a little bit of sun now, so that's great. Better outlook on, on what the year is going to and be. Our, our listeners don't know this because they're not seeing it, but Ferry's wearing orange today, so he's gone very patriotic, which is nice to see. Absolutely. Maybe we should do a video the next yeah. time, uh, Simon, so people can actually see it. I'll wear my Union Jack pants, yeah? That sounds like, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea, but you need to do the show then standing okay. up, because otherwise we can't see it. I'll them. do that. Um, we've been talking a lot about the production music industry. We've, talk, uh, we've been talking a lot about um, disruptors. One of the disruptors was even on one of our podcasts, Epidemic Sound, Epidemic Music. And today we've got someone uh, from Cora Music, and that's being billed as the Epidemic Killer. And that's very interesting. So um, prepare yourself for an interesting hour with Malti Andreasson. Hi, Malte. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Good to have you uh, here. Thank um, you. We, we're very curious to find out what Cora Music is doing. But first, I want to ask you if you can tell us a little bit about how you started and how you got into the industry and you, how, the, how you ended up with Cora Music. Well, that, that's quite a long story, so uh, <laughs> I'll get started. Um, I, used to be, I used to work in commercial television. And... Uh, I had many different things I did, but one of them was licensing music. Uh, both licensing production music, but also mainly doing the big corporate deals with the PROs and IFPI and those kinds of organizations. So I, I sort of worked up an expertise in the field. Uh, then uh, in 2013, I left uh, television to start my own company in the YouTube area. It was so-called uh, YouTube network company, meaning we aggregated uh, a lot of good, very good YouTube channels and um, sold advertising solutions in that uh, audience, so to say. And one of the things I immediately identified when I, when I went into the YouTube space was that it's practically impossible to license um, released music. I mean, music from artists you you recognize. You have to if you if you plan to do it right, you need to first go to the publisher, uh, free negotiation, and then after that you need to go to the label, also another free negotiation meaning that you will never get it done. That's not how the YouTube area works. Uh, YouTube is, uh, or I should say online video, is fast moving, fast production, fast publication. Um, we, uh, there is absolutely no time to, uh, to spend weeks on negotiating, especially for one simple song. So at that point, I took my old expertise from television on how to license music and what uh, what rights you need to, to get a complete package, so to say. And I went to our local PRO, Stim. I should say, uh, I wasn't alone. I'm saying I now, just to shorten the story. Um, and we said that if we team up here, you with your rights and uh, this label owner, together you actually have all the rights you need to be able to offer a, a license um, for a whole catalog instead of just one song, then this could be done. And uh, Stim at that point said, hmm, interesting, and um, uh, not much happened. Uh, but what I didn't realize then that was that a lot of things happened, mainly internal discussions within STEM. So when I left um, uh, the, my YouTube network company after six years, um, 
they contacted me and asked that that idea you had why don't we make something of it so this whole idea is sort of um, driven from a need that we very clearly identified meaning it's almost impossible to license released music in a convenient way in this space the traditional media all have solutions for that in this new area there's no solution but at that point um, was all was epidemic sound already active in the market yes they were definitely and um, <laughs> I I'd been uh, working uh, I mean I I um, I was the one negotiating their deal with my old employer uh, so they were definitely active and uh, uh, I should say <laughs> you you said epidemic killer I I mean I, I know that's a good headline mm-hmm. but that's actually not what we're setting out to do our our goal is to make sure that as much music as possible is licensed that they what they do is really not our target uh, our target is licensing music as much as possible but at, at that point you also realized or you you experienced how convenient their model was for yes. youtube users yes uh, and uh I mean, I, I think they they made the correct analysis that that's how simple it needs to be to to work in the online space. And uh, when we took a look at it, we we came to the same conclusion. It has to be this simple: pay once a month, and then uh, you get access to the catalog, and that's it. That's how simple it is. So. Malta, a um, couple of things. So, would you describe STEM as quite a forward-looking organisation? It's obviously they've they've picked up on the idea and run with it. I, I'd say that's probably, in terms of PROs, quite forward-thinking. Would you agree? I would agree. Actually, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm actually quite impressed by their, should I say, strategic uh, onlook. <laughs> they 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 do actually think ten years ahead and. Um, adapt their plans accordingly. Do you have any sense that uh, other PROs around the world are looking at what you're doing and thinking, hmm, maybe we could do that or we could partner up or something? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I've been, we've, uh, the PRO world is connected. So <laughs> once Tim does something, at least the other European PROs know about it. Uh, so we've we've been in touch with several of them, and sort of presented very uh, transparently what we're doing. And then if if they want to, I mean, the idea isn't copyrighted, so if they want to copy it, go right ahead. So that would immediately create competitors, whereas perhaps you're looking for partners rather than competitors. Preferably, yes, yeah. Of, yeah. of course. So, I mean, what strikes me about looking at the site is it's it's territorial. It's territorial-based, which is um, something that we discuss a lot on this podcast. And it, the idea of territories seems to be an idea that's kind of of the past rather than of the future. I wonder how what you felt about this. Obviously, you're constrained by uh, certain contracts and things, so you have to do it in this context. Well, it's... it's um, uh, it's territorial in two ways. Firstly, it's it's based on a STEM license, and for STEM to be able to license uh, music for worldwide use, they can only do that for their own members. Um, and as a consequence, the the repertoire that we're we're offering today is distinctly Swedish, so <laughs> the attractiveness of it decreases with the distance from Sweden. I think we. Sh- could probably get some uh, clients in Norway and Finland, but mm, even in as close as Germany, it's 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 not ideal. But does it mean, Multi, that um, the composer needs to be a Steam member, or the composer and the publisher? Yes, the composer and the original publisher. That's, and, uh, uh, 
So, Malta, just let me be clear. So your typical user is a Swedish YouTube creator, is that right? Or are you attracting yes. YouTube creators? Right, okay, yeah. It is. And what sort of numbers, how many YouTube creators are there in Sweden, typically? What would be the... Uh, I mean, of a size, that, or actually, on how many are there that are ambitious enough to pay a little money for the music? I'd say somewhere between five and ten thousand. Right. Okay. Well, that, that's a fair amount for 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 just one country. It is. Um, it is, and um, lots of them are fairly small but with big ambitions and uh, th that's actually the the audience or the the customer base we need to reach because that's where the volume is there are lots and lots of youtubers that do good things and uh, are growing but aren't there yet and then the big ones the the, the, the ones that have become household names they're, they're just a hundred or two hundred maybe what interests me is that um, uh, we've spoken a lot about that on, on the podcast, is that there are so many challenges in the old business model. As Simon pointed out, geographical, uh, exclusivity. Uh, and what I hear from you is that you have those same constraints. Um, or you don't look at them as negative things? You think it's something that you need to work with? Or do you think it, the industry no, needs to change to... Um, get ahead of the game again. Probably yes, but, but I, I think of this more more like uh, uh, that we need to do it step by step. If if we want to enter Norway, for example, we need to make a deal with the Norwegian version of Stim, and we also need to do deals with the Norwegian labels. Uh, and then that's the way we have to build it step by step. So what we're doing now is is um, I'd say we, we, we're proving a model now that this can actually be done, which many people didn't think, but it can be done if you have both the labels and the PRO on your side. Uh, and then we'll grow it from there. And I'd say our, our if you ask me what, what the next development step is, it's probably not another territory. It's probably another platform. Uh, because Besides YouTube, uh, except uh, I mean, uh, I'd say that the next step is probably going into podcasts. Um, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in in the Nordics, uh, the podcast area is just as impossible to license music to as uh, YouTube used to be. Same here in Holland. Yeah, yeah same here. So, Malta, do you? Uh, are you exclusively commercial music, or do you deal with production music as well? As, uh, since we uh, we need to be sort of um, a, a the one subscription, we need to be able to offer a one subscription that works for everything. So yes, we do have some production music, also. Yeah. Uh, so because sometimes production music is what you need. And you shouldn't have to have another subscription then. So we, I mean, our main selling point is that we we're offering commercial music, which no one else can. But we do have production music, and uh, in just a couple of weeks we'll even have sound effects. And so, is it one price for everything? There's no distinction in price between the price of a top commercial act and a. A, a product, piece of production music it's all the same price is that right it's, all, it's all, all the same because you're not paying for for the individual songs you're paying a monthly subscription okay and, uh, then we are distributing uh, the money from that subscription to the songs uh, in accordance with how they're used right can you tell us a little bit more about that how much is a subscription it's uh, 249 sec uh, which is about 25 euros 23, 24, something like that. Per month or uh, per year? Per, per month. Yeah. That's, that's also about like $20, $25, just to make it easy for our American uh, listeners. Oh. Yes. So which like is comparable with Epidemic? Well, it's it is, twice it's, the price. It's twice, is it? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's make it a slogan: twice the price, five times as good music. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the sell, right? But how does it work? Can they can they download unlimited uh, amount of tracks for that uh, for, for for the twenty five dollars? Yes, they can. Uh, but uh, the license um, is connected to the subscription. And we sort of built this system system that listens to what happens on YouTube. So uh, it, it's really about what you upload to YouTube. That's the constraint. So if you download 50 songs, um, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is what you upload to YouTube. But if you want to have 50 different songs in, in one video, go right ahead. And that doesn't cost you any more. No, and uh, and the subscription, as I said, it's not about what you download; it's about what you upload. So that's what you need a subscription for. So, and is that per YouTube channel, or could a user have ten channels, or is it one one no, subscription it's, it's, per channel? It's one subscription per channel. Right. Yeah. So, if you have ten channels, you'll need ten subscriptions. And how are you finding Google cooperating? With you, do they like what you're doing, or do they? I mean, they have their own library, obviously, and they have got deals with major artists who are giving their music free at the moment. So, it's it's a, it's a changing landscape, isn't it? How how what sort of cooperation are you getting from them? Well, I mean, I, I think from what I hear, uh, Google does like what we do because they always like when someone is sort of de developing new things inside their ecosystem. But on the other hand, I mean, Google is, um, when, when they deal with people like us, they almost turn into some kind of government. But uh, <laughs> what can you do? Well, we'll look into the regulations. And then you get a contract according to the regulations. So, and I, I understand that. I mean, they're, they're dealing with tens of thousands of parties. They have to treat everyone according to their rules. So, uh, I mean, even if they like us very much, I think they do, at least at the Stockholm office, um, that doesn't mean that they treat you any different to, to anyone else. Right. Just, just so that I get it right, um, if I have a subscription to Cora Music, I can download music, use it in YouTube videos, or in mm -hmm. videos, upload those videos to YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, do I get a copyright notice if I upload those no. videos? No. No, you don't. If you have a valid subscription, uh, because what we do then, what we do then uh, is that we will start monitoring what you upload. And uh, if you upload uh, anything with music, um, your the the label uh, content manager will notice that, and we will immediately send a signal to that system that this has been licensed. Please leave it alone. Okay, so basically, do I understand this correctly? That um, you will be checking uh, the video that's being uploaded, and probably you recognize the music through the YouTube content identification system. Hmm. Then you know which music is being used, and then you can license it. Yes, and so we, we see what music you're using, and we'll check it towards our database. Is this music that we're licensing? And most importantly, is this a paying customer? And if yes on both, uh, we will uh, uh, release the claim, uh, as it's called. So, and say that this person's used, say, three uh, of your copyrights on their video, then those three are picked up by Content ID and money is filtered back of this part of the subscription to the owners of the copyright. Is that right? Yes, uh, I'll explain that. Yeah. Um, um, so we have these three songs, and the claims will be immediately released. So, uh, but what what will then happen is that we will look at how many seconds uh, of music you have synced okay. for the these three recordings, and how much viewing is this getting. And then we'll take the uh, the subscription money. Uh, pool it into a big royalty pool, and then we will distribute uh, the royalty pool 
according to uh, or in proportion to the number of sync section uh, seconds and the, uh, the the views on the respective videos. Right. So if if one song is used in a video that gets very very popular, um, that video or that recording uh, will get a very large share of the royalty pool. Uh, and on the other and the other way around too, if if one um, we have that an example of that in, in the reports we just sent out from March, uh, there was one jazz recording uh, that didn't get particularly many views, but it had been used for more than five minutes in one single video, which is a lot. It's like ten times more than the usual sync. So that got a fair amount of royalty anyway. I think it's a pretty fair system, uh, if you if you ask me, um, because um, a lot of blanket licenses uh, are, are divided based upon the amount of tracks that a certain label has in the total amount. But here you actually look at the uh, amount of seconds that are being used and how many views it had. Yeah, and that, that, that was, I mean, this company is owned by Stim, and that was, of course part of the instruction from where, where we started it that well firstly this has to be a construction that produces royalties not fees it has to be royalties so it should must be proportional to the usage uh, and um, so that's how we solved it sort of in discussion with both the labels and stem and what they thought would be fair. So this money doesn't end up in a, what, what's, so, um, what's called a black box. This is definitely not a black box. No, it's a, it's a box, with, box with glass sides. And uh, you will note also then that this goes on and on. So the next month, if they're still viewing on the video, it will still collect royalties. So... It, I mean, most YouTube viewing is the first weeks after the upload. Uh, but even after that, uh, well, you know this old expression, the long tail, uh, definitely present here. So are these technically uh, mechanical royalties and performing royalties, Malta? Uh, yes, and sync royalties, which is sort of a version of mechanical, I know. Yeah. And uh, there's also uh, royalties for for the well, the access to the master. Yeah. And and there's also uh, a, a royalty of its own for for our our shop, so to say. And there's the royalties for the musicians who performed on it. Uh, you know, sort of neighbouring rights type of royalties. Is that in, included? Uh, I mean, we 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 send royalties to the labels and we send royalties to Stim, and um, uh, we sort of had to trust the labels that they dis distribute incoming royalties to performers and, and others that they have made deals with. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's you must be very popular with your department of culture because you've kind of ring fenced Swedish music and given it a real. <laughs> boost so but i'm wondering your typical sort of guy who's making videos doesn't surely doesn't just want to use swedish music i mean so they've got this one solution that's great they can get their swedish music but then they go to get american music or british music or dutch music where and suddenly that becomes incredibly complicated um yeah but, but also now you're talking about something that is not a reality because uh, before we entered the market Everyone was just using uh, sort of production music with uh, no national identity whatsoever. Uh, and um, so, so um, there really is no solution for licensing American music, for example. So if, if you're a Swedish YouTuber, you, you, you can use this or you can use... Uh, production music without national identity and so, we have that too so why that kind of implies that you're com you're actually competing with production music i mean you're the alternative to production music 
Yeah, you could say. But on the other hand, production music before we entered was a monopoly, so <laughs> it, it yeah. can do well with the competition. Well, I'm just playing with your idea of epidemic killer. I mean, it, you could construe it as a library music killer. It's just rather more than epidemic killer. I mean, it's going to take more than that to kill epidemic. But library music is quite vulnerable at the moment because of epidemic and um, the constraints of ancient contracts that we're trying to you know, work within them. A, a modern internet context so i mean interesting so who's your enemy i mean is it us the production music libraries or is it epidemic or are we are you working towards a solution that will include us all well, uh, that's a solution that will include us all no that's i mean that's not on the agenda not because i hate the idea but because no it's not my problem. <laughs> um, who's our enemy? I mean, our first enemy is um, old habits. Because now YouTube's been running in, in this country more than 12 years, I think. Mm -hmm. 13 years. Uh, under the... Uh, and the attitude from everyone has been... Uh, you either use epidemic or you use nothing. And I mean, it, it's that old habit that is our biggest enemy. And the the second, the <clears throat> I'd say this the second biggest enemy is the uh, people not being aware how much a good music score can do to a video. Uh, regardless of what music you use i mean for the for the youtubers that have understood what a good music score can do to a video we don't have to argue they they, they understand immediately yeah yeah how are you how are you going to try and find those people are you actively seeking them in sweden or that's our experience so far, is that the we need to to get in personal contact with with them, and then create a good create happy customers that will tell their friends or even better tell their audience of uh, how they're working with music. That, that's the, the sales method we use now. How, how difficult is it to convince people to use a new service, which is, um, it, it, it adds something new because it has uh, commercial music, but it, it's, it's also limited. So um, I think they, the customer always needs something next to this subscription to be able to fulfill its complete musical needs. So how difficult is it to convince people? Um. Usually, when we get into a conversation with with people, it usually ends with a, with us selling a subscription. Uh, the 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 big problem is getting the attention uh, and um, uh, not being one out of hundred uh, different offers in your inbox. And and I would actually like to contradict to you now that we have we have the commercial music, we have the public domain music, we have quite a lot of uh, Beethoven and Bach and that crowd, uh, and we have a, a base of production music, and now we're adding sound effects too. I would say you don't need more than one subscription. Malta, explain to me why when you go to your website um, it's impossible to listen to music without signing on it that seems counterintuitive to me uh, and it's very much the opposite of what most websites do nowadays they let you listen but you can't download or you can't take out a subscription obviously too but you've made a decision there's a big gate there and you can't come in you can't listen to anything until you've signed on what what's the what's the thinking behind that uh, that is actually not a decision that's a development not yet made um we we need to make a development so that you can listen without be listen for thirty seconds or something. Uh, 
um, without being able to download. So that that will be coming. So when you say 30 uh, seconds, are you worried about people um, just kind of taking an audio feed out of the computer without downloading and, and uh, stealing? Is that uh, the worry? No, I mean, we're not worried. It's, it's simply that that's what we have uh, the right to in our contracts with with labels and right. stim. Yeah, that's what they will allow. Uh, but I should point out to you that you, if you make a uh, an account without paying, just just making an account, you can listen. So you don't have to pay to listen, but you have to make an account. Yeah. No, you have you to. Don't make have it. to sign, you, you, you don't have to sign up immediately for a monthly fee account. No. No, you can just register your account, uh, which is a, a login with the Google account. So you have to be Google, have to have a Google account to join. Which is logical because this is today for YouTube uploaders. Yeah. And yeah. A yeah. YouTube account is a Google account. Sure. Exactly. So, so basically, you you make sure that the people who sign up actually have a Google account and have access to YouTube. That's kind of guarantee. Can you tell us a little bit more about how many how many tracks you have available in your database? Uh, we have currently about ten thousand. Uh, it'll be twenty before summer, so it's growing quickly here. And I'm thinking that when we're at twenty, okay, it's it would be twenty five would be better than twenty, obviously, but twenty is plenty when when the uh, Purpose is make, uh, having background music for your YouTube videos. So, is there any plan to, to to encourage your contributors to offer different lengths, different versions, different mixes, or are you just going with the kind of released material as it stands? Because you know, as a as a library owner myself, we get a lot of use of our shorter versions and alternative mixes and things. They're they're definitely useful to the YouTube. Uh, yes, uh, we always say to, to to our to the labels we work with that uh, send us all you got. Yeah. Uh, what we get most requests for is um, instrumentals. Yeah. Uh, people who want to sort of open with the the real song, so to say, and then while they're talking, go to the instrumental version. Yeah. And then go back to the real song. We have some instrumentals, but not enough. That, so that's definitely on the request list. So, so do you think that's, that's something that uh, suppliers need to take into account? That if if they want to supply music to Cora Music, if they uh, produce new material, they should also do a uh, instrumental mix? I would love it if they do. But I, I, I can also see that maybe it's not financially rational for them to do it because one instrumental in a catalogue of 20,000 song, songs probably won't pick up too much royalties unless you're very lucky. Uh, but but if we, all, we always say if you have an instrumental, please uh, enter that one as well because it's, it's attractive. No, what what I uh, what I meant uh, was actually that if people record a commercial recording with uh, vocals, um, would it be advisable for them to make an instrumental mix when they do the mixing, so they yes. at least have an instrumental version? Because Absolutely. they don't do that normally. But no, uh, the, the, it, it, well, um, it would be, and we'd love if they do, but. Um, if you look in, in our repertoire, it's um, most of the repertoire is. Um, I mean, it, it was already produced when Cora started, so yeah. <laughs> there's no going back. So Malta, is that we're talking now about the present with Cora, which is aimed at YouTube users? Do you have grander visions to use to spread the net wider to? Approach broadcasters to give this to broadcasters to radio stations, or is it uh, is it really a Google slash YouTube initiative? Uh, no, it's it, today it is a Google YouTube initiative. But in my head and in yep. my strategy, we will definitely expand, but we will always expand to uh, 
areas where there is no solution. Right. So if you're talking about television and radio, they have solutions already. Uh, there's no reason to, to disrupt that area. But if you look at, as I said, podcasts, there is no solution. Could Quora Music be tweaked to service podcasts as well? Definitely. Very easily, actually. And uh, also for the future, um, who knows what's around the corner? Probably other kinds of video music combinations that we don't even know about today. And uh, with this, uh, we have, at least for the Swedish market, we have a solution ready. And if, if none of the other solutions fit, we can always use this one. It's already packaged, packaged uh, label rights and uh, PRO rights, uh, which is very complete, actually. So you're, you're backed by STEM, you're owned by STEM. So in a sense, the commercial imperatives are not as immediate as, a com- as if you set up the company yourself without STEM's backing and you had to immediately to make it pay for itself. Um, does that allow you to have a, a much longer-term strategy and to take risks and things at this stage? Mm, no, I, I mean... I mean uh... I don't think uh, I don't think my board would allow <laughs> allow big risks, uh, but it, it it does set a different perspective. I mean, we we're not um, there's there's no venture capital uh, that needs to be satisfied here. Uh, Stim obviously wants back the money they invested, but when they have that back, I think um, I think they'll. They'll be more focusing about focusing on how much more royalties are generated by this than if the company is doing this or that in profit. So when you, you, when you Karen Ferry, sorry, um, we've we've spoken quite often here on Synchronized about uh, building platforms. Uh, you've you've been building a platform, Cora Music, um, mm. which is only accessible or. It's not accessible uh, from from Sweden, but it's it's aimed mainly at Sweden and a couple of other countries. Don't you think it's it's a, somehow a waste of money and effort that you can't open it up to the whole world because you need to invest a lot of money in making that platform work? Yeah, and uh, but I think uh, I think also think that the step by step approach is is good because when you're in this area, you as I said, you need to. You need to get deals with PROs and you need to get deals with labels. And if you're if you're proving that it works in one territory, adding one more and then one more is, is not a big deal. And the, the, the IT construction already works. So I think if we had started this by with the perspective of servicing, let's say, all of EU, we would have run into so many discussions that we've never been able to get off the ground. And the, this, uh, the, the, that's the true both for territories and for platforms. If we wanted something that worked for YouTube and podcasts and Instagram and blah, 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 we would still be discussing. But how would it work if um, if you would open up your platform for people, for example, in the Netherlands? And the original publisher in Sweden has a sub-publisher in the Netherlands. Do you, do you think the original publisher would still be able to grant those rights for users no. in the Netherlands? No. No. Uh, if we wanted to expand the Netherlands, we would have to make a deal with first with Buma, and then with uh, a, a number of Dutch labels. To to then then we could add them. Netherlands music and the system is already built for that so what we then would just do would be to to um, sort of sort the repertoire after where where you as a customer is located is located okay so, so basically I, I wouldn't see the Swedish uh, catalogs I would just see the Dutch catalogs when I'm in the well we, we, we would put it in the back of the catalog so when you log in you would see Dutch music and international music. Okay. And if you look through the catalogue, 
very thoroughly, you would find the Swedish music, but you wouldn't probably be interested. So, Malta, you're, talk- you're talking to this podcast, and, and I'd say most of our listeners are not Swedish. So what are you offering anything to our contributors? I mean, is there any way that our libraries could get our music onto your platform, or because we're not STEM, not not yet, or never, or what's the what's the position? I would say not yet. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, I uh, <laughs> and I hope that's true. Um, uh, we've talked to a, a couple of production music libraries that were interested and approached us, but had to say we had to say no, thank you to them because. Stim couldn't guarantee the rights. The, the writers were not Stim members. I mean, because what we're offering here is is not just a performance license, but it's also um, the, the sync license, which means that we 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 to do that we really need to work with the the, the PRO in that particular territory. So, not yet. So maybe, I mean, maybe in your country someone will make a clone, or maybe someday we will get there. And my thinking was that for, for a music library, that, a production music library that doesn't, isn't represented in Sweden, this would seem to me to be an opportunity if there was, but it's not yet. No, it's not yet. Um, if they really, really, really want to do this, uh, give me a call and we'll talk about licensing the IT system. That was my that was my next question. Um, why I, why aren't you going to license the IT system? Yeah, uh, we might if uh, if someone is. Um, I mean, if we can make a deal with someone, why not? We own it. Malta, you've been very frank about the numbers of, you know, how many uh, YouTube users there are, what your subscription is. So you can do the math and find out, you know, what your projections are. Um, do, are they, do you kind of reach a critical point with the projections and then it, it, the only way to expand is what, for your users to get more views? Or I don't quite see how you project growth for the business model. Well, no. Uh, I mean, the current business model definitely has a roof, so to say. Yeah. Uh, somewhere between five and ten thousand uh, subscribers. If it was today, then YouTube is still growing by thirty percent a year. So, uh, but uh, I think the the, um, uh, the growth is by adding territories or platform. Yeah. Once we uh, once we reach. Uh, sort of the, the roof of YouTube. Uh, at some point with YouTube, we will start, we, we can grow with the platform, uh, but there are only so many channels. But then you'll start, I mean, if, if we, for, for example, start licensing for podcasts, that's a totally new market. Uh, and the podcasters and the YouTubers are not the same people. Uh, and they have, they have different needs, but there's a lot of them. There's almost as many podcasters as there are YouTubers, at so least here. Is, uh, is it okay if I say that it looks like that this is a proof of concept? You want to you, you, uh, you see how it works? You want to offer a service to people in Sweden who produce videos on, on YouTube? Um, since it's owned by Steam, uh, conquering the world is not the the goal here. It's generating more revenue for existing copyrights, existing Swedish copyrights. Yes, that's right. And uh, because of the construction, it's not the, only the usual STEM parties, the, the composers and the publishers, but also the, the Swedish labels. So, Ferry, your, your question was proof of concept. So... You're you're, asking, you're suggesting that when once this is proved, it will be able to be kind of franchised out. Is that right? Well, that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I can understand that Malta uh, is saying, well, we 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 can't operate in other territories because 
then we need to make deals with PROs and and, and master owners. Uh, but if I were Buma and I would look at how Cora Music is going and if it's going very well, I as Buma would say, hey Malti, come over. Let's have dinner and let's talk about what we can do here in Holland. Yeah. And he starts to smile now, so I think that's his plan too. Yeah, I'd, I, uh, I would love to start talking with Buma. I mean, we, we, we've already talked with at least a handful of uh, Boomer siblings. Just with your Chris looking into the future, Malta, do you think the uh, existing PRO structure will survive? I mean, do we need hundreds of PROs or are we going to end up with a much smaller, as, as disruption happens, do you think the PRO area will get disrupted? Hmm. I don't know really. Um, there's a, there's obviously good arguments for corporations in the PRO area, uh, and as you know, Steam already has a, a uh, uh, an established corporation with PRS and Gamma um, for their uh, ice construction. I and um, no, I'd have to think about that. For is that, is, is that the next step, going to offer it to ICE? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, ICE is set up for a very specific purpose, and uh, I think uh, we we just uh, kick up dust by saying that they should do something completely different. I mean, the, the core of this business is selling subscriptions uh, to consumers. So it's very far from uh, ICE's usual purpose. That's what, now, now that we've done all the developments, that's how we spend our days. Malta, Ferry introduced you by saying that Cora was the epidemic killer. Um, is that was that just? I mean, is that something that you use as one of your strap lines? Where did Ferry get that from? And, and second to that, I mean, how can you compete with a company that's capitalized to one point four billion? Because they've just got a marketing budget that is endless. I presume you don't. No, we don't. <laughs> it's definitely not to one point four billion in our accounts. No, but uh, I mean the the. We're targeting a very specific area, uh, YouTube uh, videos in Sweden, uh, and I, I'm guessing, I haven't asked them, but I'm guessing that the 1.4 billion in Epidemic Sound, is that's not the market they're going for. Uh, and they, they... Well, the YouTube isn't their market. Yeah, tell, tell obviously you. it is, but but um, mm. on a on a different scale and with different arguments. Yeah, uh, and also um, they're going for everyone. They're going for the broadcasters. They're going for YouTube. They're going. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, the, the I wouldn't say the beauty of their business model, but the 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 you know the rational part of their business model is that they're attacking everything, um, and they're. They've got the war chest to do it. But I'm still intrigued about this idea of epidemic killer because in a way, you know, as we this is our 39th podcast and we've talked about epidemic a lot. We haven't met an epidemic killer yet. Um, and um, I mean, I'm intrigued by the idea. I, I, I don't think we're going to, anybody's going to kill epidemic. We just have to learn from what they're doing and, and coexist, really. Mm. You know, you, if you're a hamburger maker, you're not going to kill McDonald's just because you don't like them. But you're going to learn to make a product that's that's competitive, correct? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I think we're we're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I actually I, I get the, this question a lot. Are are you are you trying to topple epidemic? No, that's not really what we're doing. We uh, we don't speak about epidemic all day. We don't speak about epidemic much at all. Uh, we have a specific purpose. It's get, getting a really good music catalogue out to video producers. 
that's that's the purpose. My observation would be from talking to people that um, what Epidemic has done, it's galvanised production music labels and presumably commercial labels as well to take seriously user-generated content. So any library worth its salt now is looking at YouTube as a source of income. Um, so, you know, as you attack the market, so thousands of other labels are going to be doing the same because it's a, it's a kind of no-brainer, really, that that's where... Um, there's going to be a lot of usage. And as you say, it's growing constantly, isn't it? It's 30% a year. Yeah, and if you want to attack, if you want to go for that market, you you need to build systems, you need to build deal with Google, um, you need to build, deal with Google's um, copyright system. Uh, so, so there's actually there's quite a lot to do. Well, if you're a UK yeah. library, you just offer a license, an MCPS license. And once the user licenses the material, when they put the video up, they just tell YouTube that it's licensed, and that's a clean deal. Mm. I think not, I think what Balti's talking about is more an integrated system, like what they... No, I understand that, Ferry. I understand yeah. that. But I'm just saying, where I'm sitting, this is a production music podcast i'm a production music label it's not awkward it's not difficult for me to license music to youtube users it's a matter of attitude rather than um admin i mean it's all there as a as a british library i'm sure as a dutch library fairy well i don't i don't think that license licensing uh, production music through mcps for youtube is easy or user friendly uh, so i think that the the youtube producer doesn't want to do that because it's too complicated. And also, um, I don't, now we're getting into your area of ex expertise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, M MCPS, that's, that's just mechanical rights, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, there's nothing um, prohibiting the user from, once they've taken out an MC, a UK user I'm talking about, they take out an MCPS license, they can use the music on YouTube, and the PRS will collect the performing rights automatically. Mm. I mean, the, the, the difference is here, I know you're talking about, our, this is our area of expertise, is production music. You're really talking about commercial music. Um, mm. And as, as the way I see it, you are attacking our market because you're trying to make commercial music as easy to license as production music is to license. And the whole, a whole unique selling point as production music was ease of use and cheapness and uh, I think you're attacking both those things so good luck to you, you know, I mean it's, uh, it's interesting I, I, I don't agree with you Simon I don't think um, I don't know the Swedish market but I don't think that in Sweden there's a platform like Cora Music uh, with just production music um, no there isn't exactly so there is no ease of use for production music labels being used in YouTube videos. I don't know the market well enough. I mean, I know that, you know, um, but I don't know the market. I couldn't argue with that, Ferry. I just don't know the Scandinavian market well enough. But I, I'm just looking broadly at what Malt is offering. And it, it's, you know, we've talked about the idea that this is a, a testing a concept and then it could be rolled out. Well, if it's rolled out to, to Holland, then you, you know, you've, you will sit up and think because either you kind of join the club or you, you have to up your game to compete. No, I think, um, uh, and we've spoken about that also a couple of times here, there's the, the distinction between production music and commercial music is fading. I mean, Malta was just saying that um, he would love that the commercial music also had instrumental versions. Well, in, in production music, we've seen that people wanted vocals but they also like the instrumental versions of the vocals so i think it's kind of um there's kind of a fusion between those two kinds of music and i think that uh, malta would also be happy if he had great music and it was production music to incorporate that on on cora music am i right malta sure 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 uh, you're absolutely right but and i i also like to think about this in a sort of a media development view because um 20 years ago, when you produced, for example, television, there was definitely both commercial music and production music. 
in most programs. No one was only using one or the other because they sort of have different functions. Uh, commercial song is uh, usually is very, it's a very powerful tool usually, whereas uh, production music is much more natural in the background, so to say. So if you produced a, a one-hour drama 20 years ago, you definitely had four minutes commercial, ten minutes production, something like that. And then sort of entering the digital area, the, the commercial music, because there was no system set up, suddenly was sort of pushed out. And that, that's... That's the strategic problem we need. We're we're here to solve, uh, be, because I know I said this 45 minutes ago, but the reality before Cora Music started is that for for YouTube uploaders, there was production music or no music at all. That's the choice, and that, that's. Uh, <laughs> Well, that, that's, that's not a healthy production environment. Well, the fact is, on YouTube, you can put up whatever music you like, and of course, um, you'll, you won't you won't be able to monetize it, and often it'll be taken down. But um, you're legitimizing the, the use. I mean, there are some top labels, acts, as I understand it, who are allowing people to use their music because it's a kind of way of pushing the music out there. There is a sort of um, a potential for a race to the bottom, isn't there? In that sense, there is, uh, and also, uh, you're right. A lot of music can actually be used if you accept the claims and accept that you lose all your income. Yeah. Um, but that's also that's sort of kicking the legs under under the YouTube creative industry because yeah, because they they want to be able to monetize, otherwise they can't survive. Exactly, and and uh, I'd say that the YouTube space is quickly getting more professionalized, uh, and a, a lot of the viewing is going towards people that run their uh, YouTube channels as little media operations. It's not not the uh, classic UGC that's get, getting the views. It's a fairly professional scene where the, the option of, of being claimed and losing all your income, it's not there. Uh, firstly, they, they, they can't do that because it doesn't become a healthy, healthy business. Uh, and also, I think everyone should uh, respect them too as, as a creative industry that needs uh, healthy income streams. So this is not 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 only setting up royalties for music copyright owners, but it's also a way of uh, giving a creative tool to to the YouTube producers that they can use in their in a, in a healthy business model. So when you're sitting in the meetings, Malta, how, you know you've got the the um, stem and the labels and the artists on the one side, and you've got your users and the other, where do you naturally face? Or do you, are you, is, it a, is it a massive <laughs> compromise? Because most retailers will say, oh, we face the customer, obviously. But in this case, I don't see that as an option for you guys. No, I, I, I need to convince both sides that, um, look, we're, we're opening up this fantastic new creative media uh, area for you, music owners, and you, YouTubers, we will give you access to this, the best music you can get. So we'll, uh, we, we really need to address both of them. Between yeah. a rock and a hard place, that's, <laughs> that's what it's called, I think. <laughs> yeah. You, you must be a diplomat, Malta. I think I am. Yeah. A bit of a difference. Well, we're almost at the end of uh, the hour. That's gone quickly. Um, I want to thank you for, for joining us. Oh, one, one last question. Where, where's Cora Music in two years? 
in two years, um, I'm hoping that we are on at least one more platform, possibly podcasts. Uh, okay, we, we lost you, Malte. Can you still hear us? Your sound is gone. Possibly the headphones just ran out of battery. Yeah, I think uh, that happened. Well, we're at the end of this uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And for, thank you. For the time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much, Malte. Great to talk to you. Thank you. And uh, hope to talk you uh, talk to you in a couple of years and see uh, what happened to um, Quora Music. Yeah. Thank you.